What is up? Welcome back to Modern Day Marketer. I'm your host, Brett McGrath, and I am ready to go. We are dissecting another content piece from a brand that we admire. Today's article is the 10 questions I've been asked the most in 400 plus value screening interviews. This one comes from Buffer. Nicole Miller, the director of People at Buffer, wrote this one, brought in Jonathan. Jonathan's been working with us in terms of building out core values and sharing them with the group. So I thought it was a good time to talk about that process. Use this article and some of the questions as a backdrop. Really good stuff on this side. Hopefully you learn a little bit more about how we're building the juice and the values that represent our business. And shout out to Buffer for just giving us this jolt of inspiration to bring this conversation to life. If you like what we're doing over here, hit the subscribe button. Tell a marketing pal that you're enjoying Modern Day Marketer. Without further ado, let's kick it to the conversation. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to Modern Day Marketer Content Breakdown. We are doing another one today. This time, we we have a piece of content that is brought to us from the Buffer team. The topic is of the article is the 10 questions I've been asked the most in 400 plus value screening interviews from Nicole Miller, who is the director of people. I love the title at Buffer. So we're going to get into that. I'm going to kind of take some of these questions, remix them a little bit and flip them over to Jonathan to hear the kind of the CEO perspective of how, how he thinks about those things at the juice. But before I get into it, Jonathan, how's it going? You've been traveling a lot. You're doing good. It's going well. Yeah, we've been busy uh, personally with some travel and it's been nice professionally to be able to uh, let the team run without me. I'm one of the people that struggles to unplug, uh, maybe unsurprising to some, but but it's been nice. It's, I, I've been able to do that and truly take some time off and you always come back energized and I think it helps uh, kind of clear the mind into what's, you know, you get out of the day-to-day to-do list and uh, you kind of let your mind wander. And I think it adds some clarity to what really matters. So it's been good working on some exciting things. And I'm excited that spring is uh, around the corner here in central Indiana and all good things. So let's talk about values because it's in the title. And I know core values is a topic at the juice that we've been talking about as a team for some time. I think so often companies get started immediately core values start being built and developed. And then they don't necessarily resonate over a long period of time because they were just things that the founders thought at the time that they want the company to represent. I think you were you and Eric were mindful of this throughout your journey of creation of core values. And we didn't get presented the core values until recently, you know, over a year after the business had been live. Maybe before we start with the questions that are inspired by this article from Buffer, talk a little bit about just the core values process, what you think about it, and then how you approach it at the juice. Yeah, happy to. It's been a fun learning experience for me as well. I've been at companies where core values are core to how the business operates. And I've been at companies where they are something that you say, but don't act. So the good and the bad side of core values. When Eric, my co-founder and CTO, and I started the juice, we had a meeting where we sat down with uh, some of our HR partners and they said, Let, let's define what the core values are for the business. And, and we came away from that meeting and Eric and I looked at each other and we just felt a little disingenuous. You know, at that time, he and I didn't know each other that well. We didn't know what we were going to grow into. It just felt a little uh, misleading to prescribe core values uh, that early in our business life cycle. So what we did 
instead is we defined operating principles, which is how we want the people in the business to work. Uh, we defined six operating principles and our, our entire plan was we'll put these in place. We'll find people to add to the team that uh, want to, you know, want to operate under these principles. And then with a team of high quality and extremely talented people in place, we'll define core values as they organically reveal themselves. So we got about 12 months into building the business and we felt like we were at a good spot with 11 team members, kind of the founding team, if you will. Some of those operating principles started to feel like core values and there were a few others emerging. So then we started the exercise of creating core values and we ended up with four of those. And I think we're really happy with where those netted out. And uh, I think the team is as well. I want you to share what those core values are and the why behind them. But before you do that, maybe talk a little bit about the impact that having like stated core values, the impact that that has on the acquisition of new talent, bringing in new people, like how are you using those things to assess the next person who's going to come in and join the team? Absolutely. I think there's some tactical things you can do, like, you know, ask them, you know, when is a time you've displayed one of our core values previously in your career? Or how does this core value speak to you? But I think ultimately it's, it's about just finding people who uh, fit in with the rest of the team, who aren't afraid to be different than the rest of the team when the time is right. Uh, but I think it's good now that we know that these are, you know, the current team's core values. I think it's, it's a good barometer to see how candidates will fit into those core values or not fit. And maybe they're not the best candidate, or maybe they can challenge those core values in a healthy way there. And we talked about this as a team, when we define these core values, like these aren't written in stone, they'll probably evolve as the business evolves and as we learn and grow, but it's a really good barometer to really review everything in the business, not just potential teammates. So I, I don't know if we have talked about these publicly yet. Um, maybe this is a first time, but maybe talk through what those core values are at the juice. And then like uh, you mentioned operating principles, but like, what was like, what was the, the point when you like the qualifiers and the deciding factors to say, here are the four, like talk to us about that. Yeah. We had a really fun meeting with the whole team. Uh, we did a, a virtual whiteboard session, which was maybe appropriately chaotic. I'll call it, you know, whiteboard sessions in person. There's only so many markers and so many, so much space around the whiteboard, that virtual environment, uh, maybe, is uh, offers too much freedom uh, at times, but it was it was it was a really fun exercise. Um, so we did like kind of a whiteboarding exercise, just got everyone's thoughts and like themes that um, we responded to a few thought starter questions, got everything out on the on the whiteboard. Uh, Eric and myself and our HR partners took that away, and we said, okay, what themes are starting to reveal themselves from this whiteboard session? We actually found that the operating principle were pretty closely aligned to those themes. And so then there wasn't, it was really, it, th that was good. That's a good thing, but there wasn't a ton of pivoting, I'll call it from the core or from the operating principles to the core values. I think there was some refinement and some updating and maybe some introduction of new, but um, it was really just a uh, kind of an evolution of those operating principles into core values. All right. What's the reveal? Like, what are the core yes. values? Yeah. So our core values are be bold, practice radical candor, celebrate wins. And my favorite one, bring the juice. All right. Quick, quick hits. What, what do each of those core values 
mean to you and kind of uh, what you've just going through the process, what you've gathered mean for the rest of the team at the Juice? Yep. So be bold. We think what we're doing is bold inherently. We know we're going to up, upset some people, ruffle some feathers, as, as you and I have talked about on the podcast. Uh, but if what we're doing was easy, somebody would have already done it. And so it's a bold idea, a bold vision, and it's going to take bold individuals to bring it to life. Practice radical candor. This is one, honestly, amongst the team, we probably received the most pushback on, not the actual practice of it, but the maybe even the language of it. Radical candor, the book, it's its own brand. This is also probably the most generic core value we have, I would say, but it's all about caring personally, challenging directly. If you're a fan of the radical candor framework, uh, that's kind of the matrix it operates on. And we want to be radically candid. When we define each of these, what I liked about this one is we want to practice radical candor, not only with each other, but also our partners, our prospects, our customers, and our members, our users of our product. I think that's where radical candor really kind of infiltrates everything we do, not just how we communicate with our team. Celebrate wins. That was a pretty direct evolution from our core principles. I've been at places that have won a lot previously in my career, but celebrated very little. Uh, So we want to build a habit early on of Uh, When we win, we win big and we stop and we celebrate it. I think this also inherently means that there will be losses and that's okay. Uh, We learn from losses and we move on. Um, Learn from failures is one of our operating principles. And we talk a lot about a team as placing bets or taking big swings. And uh, I think it's okay to miss on some of those. But when we do hit, we should stop and celebrate. And then bring the juice. Uh, This is the one that uh, I was maybe most anxious to present to the team I'll even say nervous about this one's tough to define and that's intentional, but we are having a lot of fun doing what we're doing on our team. I think there's an energy and an optimism in what we're doing across the team. And uh, the best way we could find to describe that was the juice. And so uh, we want to bring that in everything we do. Uh, We want to partner with customers and uh, future employees that also have the juice. I don't know exactly what that is, but you know, when you, feel it. Uh, when you see it, when you hear it, it's a little intangible, but it's unique to our team. I like it. I'm feeling it before we dive into, we're going to just do, I'm going to cherry pick some of these questions from Nicole, because I don't want this episode to go Broadway and people to tune out. But before we do that, talk to the audience a little bit about the application. There's something that happens every week that we go through where these core values are front and center and there's an opportunity for the team, which I appreciate being in places where, like you mentioned, core values drive all of our activity and it being kind of everything we do to being at places where it's not so much important. So maybe talk about just like the application on a weekly basis and how we use it as a team. We as a team follow lightweight, uh, not super formally, but the EOS model, entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial Operating System. It's based on a book called Traction. Each week, there's an L10 team meeting, uh, really a leadership meeting, but with uh, only 11 employees, we do it as an all-team meeting. And we have a section in that agenda that is called Employee and Customer Headlines. And we encourage uh, team members to frame their employee headlines, which is newsworthy things, good news, bad news, uh, and customer headlines uh, into one of those four core value buckets. Others, uh, not me, honestly, have been better at that categorization. I just get excited and share exciting things. But we always try to provide kind of customer employee and customer headlines along those four buckets of being bold, practicing radical candor, celebrating wins, or bringing the juice. 
kind of categorizing input and news in that way. I have never worked at a company where when you create an opportunity for recognition or recognition of other people's work, that it's not good or not a good thing. So it's been fun to be on the end of giving and receiving that feedback in that moment where you're with your entire team. So I, I, I wanted you to call that out because I want people to think about opportunities where they can inject their core values in their, their weekly work. Make it a habit. I'm a big fan of that. So Nicole's questions, these are the most popular questions that she receives during her value screening interviews. I'm going to cherry pick a few. I'm curious to get your thoughts. The first one is, I think, a topic everyone is going through or dealing with just as a someone who works in SaaS. It's, you know, offices still exist, but a lot of the activity today is happening in in at home or in a coffee shop. And we're doing this through Zoom. We're recording this on Zoom. So one of the questions she got which I think it'd be good since you've built this company in this environment is how do you build culture in a fully remote environment? I hope that I don't answer each one of these questions in the exact same way. (laughs) Um, But I, I was actually talking to one of our employees this morning. We had coffee about this. There's a really like fine line between in virtual environments and virtual events between it feeling almost too robotic and like too virtual versus like really forcing like icebreakers and breakout groups and it feeling like uh, a little loud and noisy and forced. And ultimately, I think it, it kind of finding the space between those just, it relies on authenticity. And that's what I'm a little bit worried about will be an answer to every question that you ask me. But I, I think, I can't remember, we, our team kickoff, it, we had an all company meeting um, not the kickoff, but the actual meeting to kick off the planning. We wanted to do it in person. Some things happened. Some people were traveling and we ended up not being able to do it in person. I remember that was like really stressing me out, but I was very authentic going into the meeting. I think I told you all like, this is stressing me out. I'm not sure if a you know six hour meeting virtually is going to be good. We're going to try to build in as many breaks as possible, but speak up if we need to change it up or change the pace or anything. And it was a great meeting, I thought. I mean, as great as a six-hour, I think, virtual Zoom meeting can be. But I think you just have to acknowledge some of the awkwardness that can happen in the virtual space and just be really authentic when you're burnt out from being on camera or uh, need to meet in person or need to keep something virtual. I think authenticity uh, will build a lot of trust, and that's the key to successful virtual culture building. I love it. Let's talk a little bit about career growth. We're not a business that's been in business for you know five to ten years, so most of us, I you know, I feel like I'm like the the old season vet at this point, and it's like I'm just logging a, a little over a year at the juice. But when you think about one of the questions was on career growth, what does career growth look like at the juice? When you think about that and just think about scaling the team, people in their existing roles, like how would you describe kind of just like your thoughts on, on growth trajectory for the individuals on the team? I would love for our process around career growth to be more formal. Admittedly, I'm a big believer in it. I've benefited from some of that process in the past in my career. It's something that I hope we grow into. I think though, inherently part of the advantage of going to work at a company at The Juice as employee one through 10 is uh, when we reach employee 100, there will just have to have had to 
been some career growth for you, right? Just very naturally as the team grows, as the product grows. So it's very intangible right now. I'd love for it to be more formal, but I think uh, the opportunity at an early stage company is that there's so much upward mobility. You know, we're going to have roles that aren't even a, a twinkle in our eye right now that uh, will probably turn into teams and departments in the next four or five years. And so I think it takes some trust amongst each other of when we have those, you and I had a, a professional development conversation around uh, your year with the juice. And um, I, I think there's like, hey, Brett, th- there's a lot of opportunity. Some of it's going to be you defining that. Some of it's going to be me defining it. Some of it's going to be the business, everyone else defining that, right? And what we grow into. So I think there just has to be a lot of trust amongst the team that as you work on building the, the formality of career growth, some of it's going to very naturally reveal itself as well. I don't want to be like, yay, raw, I'm the juice. Everything we're doing is perfect. Come work at the juice. We What, what we're doing is unstoppable. There are never bad days. Uh, I don't want to be that guy when I, ask, when I ask you this question, but I do want to say like, Working on a small team, looking at the individuals, one of the ways, one of the things that I would describe each individual on the team would be everyone takes ownership of their their role and their function. Very high performing group of people that we have at this stage. And I think that's really good. I'm challenged on a regular day, day, day-to-day basis. I, I know you're challenged on a regular day-to-day basis. So someone coming into this environment where you've got people owning their roles, high performing group, someone asks you who's you're trying to maybe recruit or get to be on the team, like what makes someone successful in their role? I think about ownership. I don't know like what your thoughts would be if it, ownership, anything on top of that, like what, what is a success, what is success in an individual role at the juice from your perspective? First, an unrelated thought. We should do an episode where we talk about all the things that haven't gone well at the juice and let people <laughs> we can, learn we can from do our that. mistakes. Uh, that would actually be really fun and partially <laughs> cathartic. Yeah. So uh, what I, I think it takes to be successful at the juice is, and this is maybe a stereotypical answer for a business of our stage, but you have to be comfortable with ambiguity. I think uh, we know a lot of times what we want the end uh, goal to be. We know where we're at, but everything between those two points is completely undefined and you have to be willing to define it, build it, own it. I think you've mentioned ownership. I think that's really important. I think also just like communication amongst each other, like because it is such a small team, you know, we have functions that most SaaS businesses have teams built around that we, we don't even have anybody that owns it. Right. So you have to, you know, know when, okay, you just need to fill that gap. Versus when you need to go to a teammate, ask them to support you in filling in that gap and let them understand why it's important they fill in that gap. But I think some of the other like stereotypical things I mentioned, comfort with ambiguity. I think a bias towards action is really important at this stage. In larger, more corporate businesses, I think you can get away with a little bit of um, just kind of filling a seat that will be exposed in a business at our stage is moving as fast as we are. There has to be that bias towards action and really outcomes. If there aren't outcomes, like people are going to realize that pretty quickly. And uh, we're really fortunate, as I've mentioned a hundred times on this podcast, it's been a use case for me and hiring smart people and getting out of the way. So I want to close with this one because I think this is an interesting topic that hasn't been in the fold, but was a presented question that Nicole received. I was actually just on a call this morning with a marketer in the community where something came up adjacent to this topic. And I think for so long, we all got up and we got in our cars and we went into the office and then 
when we were recruiting and hiring people, it was all like from a, a local perspective because we wanted those people to be there and be part of the team. And I think if you zoom out of that, what that does, it's great to have people local. It's great to have people kind of there and can meet in a, a conference room. But I think what you miss out on is the opportunity to acquire talent from the rest of the country. And also SAS talent is a competition right now, especially when you've got in Indianapolis, a behemoth like Salesforce, they've got a lot to offer. So you're going head to head with someone like Salesforce. Um, it gets tough, especially on the development side. But I love like the question she got and get your perspective. It, it was, do I have to change my schedule to a certain time zone? Like what's, what's your, how do you respond to that? Anything you want to talk about, just like not all being in the same place. I'm going to jump around on this question a, a little bit, but I early in my career really took pride in like, I'm just going to outwork everybody. That meant showing up early, working late. And unfortunately, I would say I, I probably benefited from that. So I'm not encouraging that because now what it's done is it's built some pretty bad habits for me personally, that now I have to make sure I don't project onto the team that I'm leading. I was having a conversation with the employee I mentioned I had coffee with this morning as well. Uh, she was sort of asking as well about like, you know, she's balancing some, she's moving right now. There's some personal priorities and she's trying to, she's feeling stressed about balancing personal and professional priorities. We And we've intentionally built a culture, I think, where uh, we try to encourage people to, you know, step away during the day. So weather's nice, get outside, go on a walk. I, I, you've even written about that. Friday afternoons, wrap up what you need to wrap up, set up next week, but like no good work gets done between three and five o'clock on a Friday afternoon or no, no business changing work gets done at that time. And I think you benefit more from doing something that you'll enjoy and be able to recharge yourself a little bit. So I think we've built that culture. I think the other thing I shared with her and I'll share now is that I think being a data-driven business, which we pride ourselves on, we have a scorecard we report on weekly. Um, we try to attach measurables to all of our goals. I think being a data-driven business sometimes sounds like the business is very rigid. Input equals output. Everything is just like very in, in this box. To me, what being data-driven means is if we're hitting our goals, I don't care when you work, you can work 20 hours. If you're hitting and exceeding the goals, we've defined that we need to be a successful business. Now, if that were the case, I'd hope we'd find something to do with those other, you know, 20 hours in theory. But I, I think being a data-driven business actually infuses flexibility into the business where if you're hitting goals, there's a ton of flexibility. If you're not, then like we need to figure out why not and get you to that point where there, there's a ton of flexibility. The last thing I'll say, and this is a bit of a, a, of a personal rant, uh, Brett, thank you for giving me this opportunity there's become this like very trendy anecdote of like this is an expensive meeting if you add everyone's salary up in this room and divide it by 40 like you can see how much this meeting costs and i hate that line of thinking so much a i don't think like so many businesses will preach oh we have flexible work like you know work when you want and then they're calculating the cost of a meeting like so linearly. I think that's crazy. B, like people don't create value in a linear fashion. I have days where I probably get four days worth of value done. And I have days where I probably get an hour's worth of value done, right? That's just natural. And so again, that hour in that room is going to be different value than others. And, and lastly, the thing that drives me nuts about that is a good meeting or whether it's virtual or in person, it shouldn't be addition. I shouldn't add what's an hour of Brett's time's worth 
what's an hour of uh, my time's worth? What's an hour of Eric's time worth? Like it shouldn't just be adding those up. There should be multiplication, right? Like there should be network effects or amplification of every, the value of a meeting of a good meeting. I'll say, and there's certainly bad meetings, but the value of a good meeting is it kind of raises everyone's value. Right. And I, I just think that's such a old fashioned trope that's become very trendy. Um, for some reason, I think sometimes people just use it as an excuse to not have meetings, but it really bothers me when people say that because I, I feel like they're speaking out of both sides of their mouth a little bit. So thanks for letting me go on that rant. Somebody grab the fire extinguisher. We are putting out a LinkedIn hot take in real time. That was a mountaintop moment for this show, Jonathan, because you were saying it and the whole time I was like, I am glad he's addressing it because I can't stand that either. So thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. We'll see what uh, next week's rant will be around, but I feel like <laughs> The Modern Day Marketer podcast is always good for a rant or two from yours truly. No doubt. I want to thank Nicole Miller, the director of people at Buffer and Buffer for the inspiration for this rant and this conversation. Go check out their stuff and their content. It is really good. We will be back with another one next week. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you, Brett. And thank you, Buffer, for the content inspiration. That was fun for me to investigate some of these culture questions with my CEO. I think Jonathan did a pretty good job. What do you think? Hopefully you are off to a good start this week. Hopefully you are getting geared up to make it happen. If you like Modern Day Marketer, let people know. We love the sharing. Come back on Friday with another conversation with someone in the community that is bringing it and going to give us something to learn from. Take care. Thank you.